Hello, and welcome to Barks Remarks, the podcast where we talk about the stories from the legendary Carl Barks, creator of Scrooge McDuck and writer and artist of the greatest Donald and Scrooge comics of all time. Join us as we explore his longer adventure stories in their chronological publishing order. We'll talk about what makes them so enduring, their historical context, and how well they hold up today. So get out your reprint and get ready to enjoy our remarks. Welcome back to Bark's Remarks. I'm Mark Severino, a grown man who loves duck comics, who loves talking about the stories of Carl Barks, and who really loves, like like most kids who read these stories, loves mythology. And I am joined today by a new guest that I'm about to introduce, but I'm just, I'm so excited to have him here because uh, today I've got Harry Flukes, who is the man who did, now, now, are you like the main creator of Index, or are you one of many? Currently, I'm one of many. I think I started it, and in a year time, there were a, a bunch of 20, maybe 30 people helping me out and setting things up. That's a big deal, right? You you are the man who started the great site Index, um, which, which is a, a wonderful resource for people like me running very nerdy, in-depth podcasts about these stories. Um, It's also a great resource for the comic book creators who are looking to be very consistent about using characters and and referencing things. But but Harry, I'm feeling very acutely today how much I depend on Index, because as we speak, it is unfortunately (laughs) down, and I'm flying a little bit more blind than I like to on on this episode where we're going to be discussing mythic mystery. But first off, welcome to you and and a hearty thank you for for this great resource. thank, Thank you for having me. And by the way, I was promised that Index is up again tomorrow morning. European time. Excellent. So that doesn't help yeah. much for this, but uh, people have been working on it and we have some hardware problems. Yeah, that, that's all right. It is um, famously, it's, it. I don't know very much about websites, but I do know that websites that have like lots of database type of information can be challenging to maintain. Um, and I know that Index has been around for a, a quite a long time in, in terms that is of the, the That is the main thing. And next year we celebrate our 30th year of existence. So we started in 1994 and some of the technology of Index was made in 1994 and is still the same today. Right. So that <laughs> goes how modern it is. Yeah, I, I have to imagine that, that that's a challenge. You're using probably a lot of legacy code or whatever. Like I said, I'm not I'm not a website guy, but I am a Disney comics fan and Index is, I was thinking about it, it has to be one of the websites that I have used the longest and the most consistently in my life because I I didn't use it much before doing this podcast a couple years ago, but I do remember that back in the back in the late 90s, um, there just weren't as many websites online. So I did find that, oh, hey, my Disney comics, they have this presence on the Internet. Yeah, yeah. We, we Well, I have been lucky that I had uh, a connection with the internet very early because not, not everyone had internet in the 90s. But I worked for a scientific organization which usually had internet just for scientific reasons. And then 
it evolved in uh, being in contact with other people, usually uh, teachers or professors and university people. And still most of the Index people are programmers or professors or doing something in teaching. That's, uh, that's yeah. from the old days. Oh, I, I wanted to say, uh, I can tell how much Index is used by printed story codes. I'm not sure you know that mostly in the first panel of a print of a story, there's a small code in the in the bottom of the panel mm -hmm. saying something with a D or a W or an H. That is the code of the story. Usually an editor invents the code and a lot of times the editor didn't and then I invented the code. And these days I see those codes appear all over the world, editors using them, which must mean that they are using Indux. Otherwise, how would they, why would they use the code? Right. So that, exactly. that's for me an indication that uh, Index is really being used by the editors. I think that Index is really one of those old school legacy holdovers from when the internet was a much better place. It, it is one of those things that people have chosen to do. I assume you're not you're not making any any profit from Index. That's um, correct. Yes. <laughs> it, it is really an out of the goodness of your heart. It is a, it is a resource. It is mm. driven by other I, I users. Would, sorry to interrupt you, but I wouldn't call it goodness, but more nerdiness. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, yeah, I, I am a programmer and a Disney fan, and I can combine the two by making a program to make a list of all the Disney stories in the world. And I like making lists and I like like putting things and I like Disney comics. So it's a combination of that. It's if no one would use it in the world, I would still have done it. So yeah, it's not I, out of goodness. <laughs> well, I feel I feel very much the same way as you, right? Because my podcast project here, it's not the same thing, but I am I am my own target audience. You know, yeah, I am yeah. I am hoping that other people enjoy it as a side effect of me having fun doing it. But like that's that's why I do it. And I'm, yeah, I'm that's, doing that's other things, also, uh, like I've been developing a, an adventure map on um, on Google Maps where I put little pins for all of these stories as I do it. Um, I, I love lists and I love maps in that <laughs> same way. But I will tell you that how, regardless of how you regard Index, it is unquestionably um, a wonderful resource for people like yeah. me and, and creators, artists and writers from around the world. So... Whatever its intent, it is an unalloyed good, and I think it's a great holdover from the, the earlier days of the internet when it hadn't yeah. entirely been corrupted by a profit motive. <laughs> well, yeah. It's, it's so, also a bit, bit scary because people start to depend on Index, and it's only a hobby. So today and yesterday, when Index was down people got nervous and yeah yeah that, that you was, shouldn't uh, get nervous because of a hobby that uh, i know should only i understand be fun. i was literally recording an episode of the rosa episode um series while while it went down midway and i was like well good thing i already had my notes that i needed i'm less prepared with this one but but fortunately yeah. we're not talking about the most important bark story today but, but we'll you will be talking with an Index person without Index being available. So that, yeah. that would be a challenge. <laughs> but I do, I, I don't want to move on too quickly um, because, again, I just, I make such use of Index and, and we've been talking about it. Do you have kind of the, 
the cocktail party line though of what what is index how do you describe it in like one or two sentences to people oh that's a nice <laughs> what is index index is a database of all disney comic stories and most of their publications all over the world. That's I think that's a watertight uh, definition. Yeah, <laughs> we have a we have a website that also has uh, shows pictures, but the pictures are not really indexed. They are Disney, but the data, the, the the database, its contents and the structure of its contents that is indexed. Right. We we also have a license that if people use it, uh, we can use whatever they have been using it for. So it's, it's some kind of a free usage GNU, GNU license, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm, it's, it's too much in detail maybe, but... Uh, no, I, I love this. I think this is, that's exactly the kind we, of information I'm looking we, for. We make a distinction between the website and Index. The website is index.org. There, are, there is a search engine with a lot of software, but that's not really part of Index. Anyone else could make a search engine using the same database. So the database definition and the data in there, that is Index. Right. And, and that's the how that information is organized, being able to look up people, uh, things like who was involved in creating stories, in what year, what characters are included, exactly. whether there yeah. are first appearances. There's a ton of ways that I use it in to structure my podcasts. Um, a couple of the ones that I'd like to point out most of all is I'm very interested in how some of Bark's stories get retitled from around the world. So I love to scroll down the other publications and see, you know, what oh, what, what did they call this story in yeah. France? What how, yeah. how do the Swedes refer to it? That's always very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I love to, a, a podcast, Harry, always needs a good shtick. And after after I summarize the story, I like to check in on what does the community think about this story because it's a good talking point. And and looking at the ratings, those user ratings mm-hmm. are a great way um, to discuss that. Just just to see which Carl Bark stories people like compared to to each other. So yes. th- those are yeah. some of the yeah. ways that I use it. Yeah. yeah. Are there are there any ways that you're surprised how people use it? You mentioned being surprised that. You know, people have taken it, it around the world without just built off of what you have done. Am I surprised? Yeah, well, it has been almost 30 years now. So the, the biggest surprises has, have already been there. But a few weeks ago, I read, uh, I got it in America last month. And it's it's a fantagraphics book uh, from the Disney Masters series. It had a very nice story made by uh, Casti. I'm not sure you were familiar with those writers and artists. And at some point, way in the story, there was a a sign telling the type of airplane that was on display in a museum. And the type was ITL, four digits, minus P. Something like that. And that is exactly the code of the story that was printed. So the editor thought it was fun to use the story code as a type of airplane in the story itself. That's which was great. quite funny because actually the, the P was, that's my P. I invented the P. <laughs> so that's Right. Yeah. If people use Index enough, you get kind of good at reading. Um, you know, it's it's 
it takes a little while, but once you figure out how to navigate it, you realize there are kind of a lot of tricks to navigating and just reading those codes on index. Was it the um, dis, uh, trapped in the shadow dimension? Was that the one? I th uh, that's the one opening of the story of yeah, probably. It was a Mickey Mouse one. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's great. What that's, a neat uh... thing to have uh, to have been. Uh, memorialized uh, to, yeah, to be <laughs> excellent. I don't think we actually mentioned you. You mentioned you got it when you were in the states. So um, you're recording right now from the Netherlands, right? Correct. Yes. Currently, right. it's uh, my laptop still has American time, uh -huh. so I know right. it's uh, a half past one or yep. one forty at your uh, side. That's right. Here in the Eastern <laughs> Time Zone. Yeah, yeah, so you are you are one of several Dutch guests that I've gotten to have on. So thank you for letting me pick your brain a little bit about Index. It's not our main reason for being here, but again, mm -hmm. I just I couldn't resist asking you about it. But of course, the story that we are here to talk about today is a is a tricky one to pronounce, and it's a hard one to Google because we're talking <laughs> about mythic. Mystery, which Google mystic, yeah. absolutely insists on autocorrecting to mystic yeah. mystery. Oh, mythic. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Mystic. One of the myth, two. Mythic. One of those two. Yeah. It's a hard yeah. one to look for. And this was originally published in Uncle Scrooge number 34. From June, That's, August 1961. Right. Yep. So we're we're getting deep a little bit deeper into the early 60s here. Um, and Harry, this one really does it, these stories are starting to feel more like the, the 1960s to me, is one of those things that I am noticing about this one. This one is a pretty short adventure. It's only 14 pages, but that's hacked down from the original. Do you want to mention the, the, the well-known background about this story, Harry? The well-known background, yeah. <laughs> Among well, Barks fans, right? Barks said on several occasions that he wrote it and drew it as a 16-page story, but the editor decided two pages needed to be cut for advertisements. And one of the things he did was make a nice half-page panel with a lot of things uh, going on. And that half-panel was cut. And yeah. Parks was very annoyed about that. Right. And this might also be one of the last stories where you can see half-page panels drawn by Barks. Because after this, he didn't even bother. Yeah. They would be cut anyway. Those half-pages are easy to cut. And the advertisements became more important than the comic contents, apparently. Right. And and we've had this kind of pattern going on over this the couple of decades, right? When we when I started looking at these stories, he was able to turn in these 32 page, you know, yes. very gothic, in some case very dark and sometimes scary masterpieces. And and gradually he had all these constraints and and more and more cut and and he's still turning in great adventures but but it's it's definitely impacting you can tell the quality of his work and and it sounds like he's putting certain constraints on himself right if he's not doing these elaborate splash panels can i add something about this uh, yeah. you say it's from the 60s and most americans will uh, read or will have read those stories in order but me being dutch I have seen all those stories out of order. They printed them seem, seemingly random order and sometimes in weird publications. In this particular case, 
Mystic Mystery was published in a summer season special in black and white, in the back, somewhere. Apparently, the Dutch editors also thought this story was too weird to put in the normal Dutch Donald Duck Weekly that we have, the weekly magazine. So they, they put it there, and well, they reprinted it in albums later, but I don't think it was ever in the regular weekly because the story was too strange. It is admittedly a pretty strange story. I actually had a similar experience. You know, I think most people who grew up when they were first being printed, they read them in order. But mm -hmm. I was reading these in the era of Gladstone Publishing, putting them out. Yeah. And so, you know, they would jump from a 50s to a 40s to a 60s story. Um, in my case, this was at the back of a duck an issue of DuckTales, uh, one of the very yes. last issues that they put out um, in the back of that. So... It was a, definitely an earlier yeah, story. It's, it's sim similar to my me. experience then. Yeah. Right. And I, I didn't go back to read this one very much, Harry, just because it was buried in this weird issue of DuckTales. And it never really grabbed me that much. Um, although there are there are definitely some fun parts to this story. I, I am already looking forward to having the Fantagraphics book where this story is in, because the other Fantagraphics books also contain stories from the early 60s that I haven't read in maybe 20 years and right. I really enjoyed reading them again and for the first time in English. Yeah. And that's been a big part of this for me is for the first time I am experiencing revisiting these in the order that they were originally released. in. So that's a mm -hmm. big joy of this project for me. Um, right. Something, one part of the podcast that I would normally do before we transition into talking about the story itself is I, I call it pandering to international listeners, right? Because I have as many listeners overseas as I do in, in the States. Um, and I would talk about a few of the translated titles. But, you know, unfortunately, that is dependent on index being up. So, but you do you can, have You can at least... see the Dutch title, which is yeah. corrects it from the wrong English title, I would say, because this is normally... Mythic mystery and not mystic mystery. Right. They did. They decided not to put in the the word joke that Barks put in. Right. I I imagine Barks is very satisfied by coining mythic. Um, yeah. Because yeah. it's a real tongue twister. Well, Harry, why don't you tell us what is the um, what is the title in Dutch? Well, the the Dutch title in all Dutch publications was simply Mythis Mysteri, which is a translation of mythic mystery. And not mystic mystery. They no, they didn't no want to bother to, to put a tick in the title. Yeah, exactly. So let's go ahead and do this. We're going to transition to talking about the story itself. So, Harry, I always dwell a little bit more on the opening panel, right? Because that's an important panel. It's supposed to set up the story. It's supposed to orient us to who the characters are. Um, and, and right away, I'm noticing that Barks is going to break a little bit of a rule in this one. He is very good about having a, a brief little reference to who Uncle Scrooge is. You know, there's always some kind of signaling uh, about him being the richest duck in the world, or at least very rich. And there's really no mention of it until a few panels in when he worries about what um, what it might mean for his money bin. Either he just didn't 
have the space to do it. Or at this point, maybe he feels like his character is well established enough. But but you'll find that in most of his opening panels, he does this. But in the case of this one, the ducks are all staring at the night sky and they see this very mysterious and ominous shape, a circle that's blotting out the stars. Um, and, and it looks to, to be like another world. We learn that they only see it at night and that it's kind of unknown to science, but that everyone is, is studying it. Um, we also learn that it seems to be slipping closer and, and causing these very violent windstorms. Harry, what do you think about this opening page? I do like the opening panel. It could also have been an opening panel of a 10-pager. I remember one 10-pager where Donald and the nephews are watching in the sky. Something about uh, giant grasshoppers or something. That's the, oh yeah, I, remember that I one. like that one a I lot. Th I think it opens with a similar panel, and yeah, it occurs to me that this could have been anyone, anyone else but Scrooge. You, you don't really see it as as the main character in the story yet. He's just one of the characters looking in the sky and discussing what is going on. Yeah, honestly, but, but art art wise, I like the silhouettes. I, I do like silhouette panels if they're done well, and Barks has done these. There are two silhouette panels uh, on the opening page, and they both look very well. Yeah, I fully agree with you. The silhouette art is great. And, and this does kind of have the feel of a 10-pager to me as well. You could characterize, I think, any of the ducks as almost the main characters in this one. This could easily pass as a Donald story or even a nephew's story in a way. So. When looking at the first pages, at least, yeah. Yeah. But if if you look at the entire story, Donald really does very little. <laughs> so right. He, he could have been a story back, without him. Yeah. Back to the background. <laughs> um. So you know, going on to the next page, we see the ducks getting blown around. Uh, they they are surmising that these bad storms must be caused by this quote big black blob, and they kind of encounter randomly this scientist who's maybe come out to see them he's he's he is positing that this is a planet um and and he's kind of presenting that its magnetic force is equal to earth it contains a lot of iron so that's why the two planets haven't crashed together but he doesn't understand why it still is being it's moving closer to earth all the time so the the page is going to end with the ducks climbing the aeolian mountains to get a clearer look at this just as one of these big storms is about to break out any That's thoughts here Harry? yeah you, you mentioned aeolian mountains i've never read that in english mm -hmm. and aeolus is the god of the wind so it's it's a first reference to gods and to yeah. the storms that are happening. That's that's a, a nice side effect here. Yeah, it is nice to learn about these things, right? I think Barks mentioned, referenced some local Duckburg Mountains called the Aeolian Mountains in a gyro gear loose short, right? Isn't that what the ones where the, the wind blows <laughs> through them? I think that's what he calls them in that one. Okay, too. well, I, I couldn't tell. I probably haven't uh, remembered the English text of that story. Yeah, yeah so. exactly. You that's may it. never have read it. So, you know, it's it's a pretty cool panel at the end of this page where they see all this violent lightning. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess it's it's credit to Barks, the mysterious planet. The first time you read this, I feel like it, it does look very sinister and ominous. But also scientific. 
it's also mm -hmm. typical barks to have a scientific explanation of things that happen. Right. And that's what and I also like in the rest of the story, that there are quite some down-to-earth explanations of things that look mythical and magical. That's uh, Right. And I'm not <laughs> sure that his scientific explanations are quite going to work for me here, but he, he gives well, it a go. <laughs> it's... Uh, as long as it looks scientific, it's a comic. So right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't mean it has to make sense exactly, but it is all pretty like pretty perfunctory. So let's see. Going on to the third page, this is this is a pretty exciting moment. I would say it's one Ooh, of the yes. highlights of of the story, where the ducks are going to get blown away off the mountaintop, just kind of into open air. And, and then they imagine that their eyes are playing tricks on them. Harry, do you want to tell us what it is that they see blowing up there? <laughs> they see a god-looking person with a Norse helmet on a chariot with four horses flying in the storm. Is that a right. good description? It's, it's uh, yeah. That's a great description. It, <laughs> it looks, certainly looks like Thor, right? Yeah. I, well, from a distance, I couldn't really tell. But uh, <laughs> I mean, yes, the ducks are calling it out as as seeming to be Thor. Um, I love the I love oh, that yeah. panel. The, the, with, the nephews recognize him as uh, Thor after right. thinking they are Martians. No, no Martians. It's Thor. Yeah. Right. Someone in and, someone in Denmark complained that Thor is not using horses but goats so in the danish print of this story they redrew the horses to goats <laughs> that's funny is that but that's not Thor... in dutch by the way but in danish that's, right uh... right i didn't know that that was um supposed to be a characteristic of thor that's funny yeah but if you read the rest of the story it doesn't really matter if it is accurate right. this is not right. a real exactly. thor spoiler but this is not right. a real Thor. So, <laughs> so um, oh, and and that the picture of the the drawing of those horses is really great. They have some violent energy to them, so it would be a yes. shame to to lose that. So the you horses, know, the ducks, horses also look very angry for some reason. They really, they really yeah. do. The ducks are going to kind of unwittingly hitch a ride on this chariot. Scrooge is going to notice that it's pure gold, and they're going to land on the approachable side of the planet itself. And uh, immediately, they're just noticing that it looks like something out of the myths. Um, and they're just very flabbergasted by it. They go on, or the reader rather, goes on to hear this god-looking being talking to another um, about how hard it is to tame the skies. He's talking to to Balder. He's using very old flowery speech. Um, I don't know how it sounds in Dutch, but it's obviously supposed to, in English, sound very old-fashioned, uh, very archaic, but still English. Yeah, and then this... They, this, they did but, some effort in Dutch to, uh, to make it uh, old-fashioned Dutch, medieval nice. Dutch. Yeah. Right. And... And they do, these two characters do spot the ducks and demand, <laughs> speak knaves, who are you? And, and when they introduce themselves, they recognize them as just harmless earthlings. And here's the moment where the ducks are all agog because they think they're meeting Thor, the storm <laughs> god. Um, and we hear the, the these beings <laughs> kind of chuckling about this misunderstanding. What do you think? What yeah, do you think about and, this page? And they say, uh, well, let's go with it and act the part. Let's pretend we are gods. 
just for fun. It's a bit, it's a strange motivation, but uh, yeah. It, they're it is a little strange. clearly having fun of their visitors, <clears throat> making fun of their visitors. Right. It's clearly the the yeah. attitude that this whole planet has had for a long time. And as yeah. the ducks are going to meet, you know, I'm interested too, Harry, and kind of paying attention for the spots where we think there might be some panels clipped here and there, right? Where those two pages, um, their yeah. panels might have come out of. So at this point, I mean, the story is picking up pace very quickly just because it's so short, but I don't feel like there are any awkward jumps as of Neither do I. I don't think the cuts are here. I I have some ideas where they might be, but they're in the second half of the story. Yeah. So, you know, the ducks are going to learn more about this place, which is called Valhalla, and where some, some of these beings are commenting that it's been thousands of years since Earthlings visited. They're going to have the ducks meet their leader, who is, of course, called Odin. And um, and the ducks are, I mean, I like Scrooge's description. Do you mind reading how he describes it in that second panel in English, Harry? Yeah, that proves it, boys. And- this is a mythical dream in 3D, widescreen, with stereophonic sound. So it's it's the way that all of the movie theaters were introducing, you know, their their latest film in the oh, early sixties. Yes. <laughs> um, and and Scrooge is irritated. He thinks that this place, you know, it looks so mythological that it should be uh, soft and hazy like fog. Why does this look so real? So you know, they plan to re- show them that yes, they're they're not dreaming. They're actually awake. Um, <laughs> Odin asks him, what would prove it to you? And Scrooge says, I would always recognize gold. So he tosses him a golden key to Valhalla, which clangs on his his toes and is going to convince him. Th- this whole part seems a little bit awkwardly structured to me, Harry. I've got to be honest. You mean that Barks did not intend it this way? No, just it's, the way he's telling this story. This this whole it's, interaction it's, feels a little forced, a little bit weird. Well, I, I think it's part of the idea that Scrooge can recognize gold very easily, which is also part of the, the story. That's true. That's he he recognized point. it on the previous page, and he will recognize it in on later pages. So he, he's very into gold. And so yeah. he's definitely being consistent with the storytelling. Yeah. It's it just doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't have the best flow for me. Maybe um, it's not a good joke for you. That's uh, the, yeah. the key falls on his feet. Yeah, that's yeah. That's just that's, a visual joke, I think. Part of me was wondering if this was supposed to acknowledge the like switch over from Dell Comics to Gold Key, um, but that's going to be like two issues later. So I don't think that had anything to do with. Oh, it. never thought of that, but th- I don't think Barge had that in mind when he wrote this. No, that's uh, just the kind of nerdy deep dive that I like <laughs> to do when I'm when I'm finding these. I want to mention one detail because I like details. Yeah, the the second panel that I that I read out talks about 3D widescreen with stereophonic sound, but says nothing about the color. And I think on this page, that panel is has the lamest colors you can think of. <laughs> it really, it really all, does. The crowd is all in one color, so that that doesn't remind me of a good movie. Yeah, are you looking at because you're looking at the um, fanographics, which would have reproduced the original, right? Or, or you're looking at the original itself. I think I'm looking at scans of the original. Yeah, because yeah. So that that it, is the original. 
They preserve and, that. But it's it's also in the Dutch version, uh, yeah. different coloring, but just as boring. Yeah, I, I know <laughs> that too. Um, but there is really some nice detailing on on these figures that do look like the Norse gods. I'll, I'll definitely give him that. So, you know, by the next page, Scrooge is, of course, convinced the ducks have abandoned their dream theory. We've got Scrooge uh, proposing to buy the mineral rights to all Valhalla, but the Valhallans, I'll call them, are, are more interested in staging a joust for their visitors and having, you know, Donald's going to be the champion. This is something that happens a few times in the comics, right? Donald representing the other ducks as a champion. I like yeah, this. We've... I like how Scrooge diffuses the this joust idea. This is a very, I think this is the funniest moment for me yes. as a comic. Harry, do you want to tell us about as, what he proposes? Especially, well, he, he wants to fight Earth style. And then the, the guy, oh, the, one of the godlike uh, people said, what is Earth style? And then he just bumps into his stomach with his head. And then that's, that's the most funny thing, I think. Uh, okay, the joust is over. That, folks, was Earth style. <laughs> right, because Scrooge is knocked out cold from his chain yeah, mail. Yeah. You get the feeling that he, what he means is that Earth style is like a sucker punch, right? Unexpectedly getting um, getting the advantage on him, but but it definitely backfired. It's a very funny bit of pacing, I think. Yeah, yeah, and if you compare it with other places where Donald is supposed to fight, there are many a few other bark stories where that happens. This is a surprising twist that Donald is not fighting at all, but Scrooge is trying and having a very short fight. Exactly. So I do think this is a very awkward transition to me right here. The, the, the gods, the Valhallans, immediately start to despair that because, you know, Scrooge's reference, they'll soon be suburbanites of Earth. Now they're saying, now they're complaining about how boring life will be. I don't know that a panel was necessarily moved, removed from this part here because it, it is accounted for in the dialogue. But it does feel yeah, like a yeah, very yeah. jarring transition to me, how they go from, you know, cheering for the joust to um, prying and wailing. Yeah, I would expect a panel saying, while, while Scrooge was uh, get, getting conscious again, asking, did you really say we are going to be a suburb? And then, yes, because of this and that, and then they could start uh, sobbing. Exactly. Yeah. It really yeah. does yeah. feel like two panels describing exactly what you said is necessary. But Makes sense, yeah. But instead, this, this page is going to be devoted to kind of the misunderstanding that, that each planet, each body thinks the other is responsible for kidnapping <laughs> Valhalla. But, but the, the gods, the Valhallans, are going to clear up that um, they don't want Earth either. We just don't know how to stop this runaway planet. It had slipped out of its orbit behind the moon, and here we are. <laughs> so, Harry, at this point, we've had, um, we've had the 24-carat moon, um, and we've had... Oh, was that this before one? this story? Yeah, a few a few issues ago. It's funny oh. how many how many of these planets are just kind of hiding around the Duckburg version of the solar system. But but it's yeah. okay. I understand Barks doesn't really care about consistency. He cares about no, the story he wants to tell. It was still in the 60s where people didn't really know what was behind the moon, probably. Right. So it would even be plausible to to find a little planet there. 
And it makes sense that the, that their fo his focus now is on the sky as the space program is so so underway. Um, yes. But the nephews are going to comment that for a bunch of fabled gods, you guys don't seem to have much power. And, and they're <laughs> about to get an explanation when another of those earthquakes, he says their earthquake god, strikes again. Um, yeah, nice, which, nice, uh, nice expression to call it an earthquake while they're sure they're on a different planet. Right. So it should, it should have been a Valhalla quake, if, if yeah. anything. That's right. I didn't but, I didn't even think of that. But apparently earthquake is such an expression you can use it on other planets as well. Right. Um they also use the expression skull in in one of these panels. Well, skull. And I don't that's a Scandinavian phrase used as a toast, I guess. That's interesting. I only know it as a brand of of um chewing tobacco in in the states but it was interesting so, to see yeah there was a beer brand in holland called skull yeah <laughs> just it's fun to learn what reason. that actually actually means i guess it's like cheers um mm -hmm. or, or exactly or something so let's see they're about to get an explanation on this next page but the 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 quote men folk now are going to go to check on the earthquake damage. So that's putting a little pause on the ducks figuring out what's happening. <laughs> and here we're about to get this very the start of a very silly sequence with Donald. Do you want to tell us, Harry, what happens with Donald here? Oh well, Donald is called a handsome duck who is asked to uh, tell damsels about life on Earth. And Donald says, oh, I'm not really handsome. I just look that way. This <laughs> is quite funny on its, on its own. I, it, is, <laughs> it is very funny. I don't know what you call this trope of like the, the outsider being like surrounded by the gorgeous women of the alien planet or, or whatever. But, um, yeah. but it's definitely pretty weird. Uh, but yeah, it, it, look, looking at it literally, if you read it literally, I just look that way. But being handsome is how you look. So if you look that way, then you are handsome. So it's, it's, it's a it, funny it little really bit of sense. modesty. It, that's, that's the funny of it, yeah. So at this point in this short story, the ducks are now going to go exploring. They're going to try to figure out more about this mystery and just learn more about Valhalla. Um, the nephews are interested in learning more about, you know, the mystery of the place, but Scrooge is, is much more focused on the gold, where, where all these gold objects are coming from. And yeah, a lot of things see... like the floors and the door hinges and mats are all gold. So right. that's, that's why just... he, he wants to know where it comes from. Exactly. Um, and they do eventually see a golden glow from behind a hill uh, that they surmise might be like a foundry or something. I'm sure, Harry, that this is where I learned what a foundry is, one of the many facts that Karl Barks taught me. It is pretty cool when they approach, you know, this foundry, what it is they S see. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but what is a foundry? So a foundry, <laughs> right, would be where gold or I'm sorry where metals are are formed and shaped using heat and pressure that that would be my understanding of it okay okay so, because it in the Dutch translation it just says like there's a fire burning oh <laughs> so okay. they, they did not translate it so I uh, this is the yeah. first time I see the word foundry anywhere <laughs> so right. 
yeah, that, that, that's one of the things that, you know, is, is a benefit definitely of reading it in the original language. Um, mm -hmm. Do you want to tell us about when, when, what, what do the ducks see when they approach the foundry? Well, they see a blacksmith shaping golden bars on an anvil, just like Scrooge explains what they see. Yeah. And he seems to be giant, but yeah, compared, compared to the ducks, everyone's a giant. So he's right. not very big, but yeah, he's even for a, a dog-nosed human, he's quite big. Yeah. Exactly. He also, he looks kind of dumb, right? He does not look like the brightest bulb on Valhalla. True. The, probably because his teeth are, uh, his two teeth are like, like Goofy has them. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Two front teeth. That it's makes him look uh, less smart, indeed. Right. Um, and when he introduces himself, he throws them a real curveball because he says that his name is Vulcan. Um, and, and, you know, the notable yeah. thing is Vulcan is a Latin god. Why is he here among the Norse gods? Uh, the kids wonder. Yeah. The Latins and the Norskis didn't even yeah. know each other. Yeah, the Norskis. I, I wonder how this, <laughs> how my Scandinavian listeners uh, think about <laughs> about that word, Latins and the Norskis. It's, it's. I think yeah. it was meant to sound like the Ruskies, the Ruskies. Yeah. Because I've never heard that uh, otherwise. It's, it's, uh, it's not only funny, but it's also educational for right. people to know about the various gods and and mythologies and that. They didn't intermix and stuff. And, I yeah, agree. And, I, was, I would imagine that children reading this would learn something from this. Yeah, I mean, I definitely remember being about nine or ten when I read this, and I was fascinated by mythology. Most kids around that age are going through kind of a mythology phase, I think. So I, I did mm. find this really interesting. Um, but Scrooge is not interested in mythology. Nope. He's interested in that gold. And... Uh, and, and we see he demonstrates that he's not finding the gold. He's actually making it. It's the classic trope of, of turning um, one base metal into gold. You know, Scrooge, I guess, is going to totally forget yeah. about the events of the fabulous Philosopher's Stone. Uh, all, all Vulcan <laughs> has to do is hammer it with a special hammer and it turns into gold. And hey, coincidentally, another one of those earthquakes happen. Yeah, and and, and, and the very Vulcan smart say? Vulcan is wondering why that happens every time. <laughs> Probably there's no connection, but why would it happen? <laughs> right. Yeah, I, so, I think so, that's so. one of the things that kind of annoys me about this story is that it, it kind of presents it as a mystery and then it just immediately solves it. But the ducks are a little too thick to like immediately click on as, as why, you know? Well. I'm I'm not sure the ducks are too thick. The nephew Scrooge is too much in interested in gold to to worry about it, and Vulcan may be too thick, but the nephews already proceeded to another place. Well, and, oh no, and on they, that they also say page. they also say I wonder why too. So yeah, they 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 are thick as well. Yeah, that that's a bit yeah. atypical. And and I yeah. mean I'll, I'll forgive it because I think what Barks is going for here is it's supposed to empower the reader. It's supposed to make the reader feel clever when they yes. have figured it out before um, the characters do. But, you know, it, it is a little bit thick. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they're going to move on to an old man and, and they get their introduction. This man is Hercules. And that's surprising for two reasons, right? First off, that, you know, Hercules classically is, is fantastically strong. 
And this little old man certainly <laughs> is not. But also he is from the Greek myths. So, so now we've got Norse, Roman, and Greek. But of course, Greek and Roman are, are basically yeah. the same thing. But, yeah, but, but different names. In, yeah, in Roman, exactly. Hercules would have been, uh, well, Hercules is the Roman name. And Heracles is the Greek name. Yes, yeah, that's but right. He he is a Greek guy presenting himself with his Roman name. So that's, but but and the the nephews are not questioning that anymore. They just say Hercules, and then in the next panel he starts explaining what really is going on on yeah. the planet. Do you want to tell us about the what's actually going on here? Well, it includes one of the the most funny parts of the story, I think, because the Hercules is telling that in the well, eons ago, a planet came close to Earth and people were blown to the planet, just like uh, the ducks were blown to it during the storms. And the first ones coming there saw newcomers and the newcomers said, I must be in, in heaven. Well, heaven is not mentioned, but it must be in Valhalla and you must be Odin and you must be Jupiter and you must be nuts. But I'll buy those monikers. Yeah. I do uh, yeah. think I think the the Dutch translation is funnier because it, uh, I see here that it says you must be that's normal English in Dutch they still have their old medieval English thou must be thou must be Odin thou must be Jupiter and then the guy answers thou must be bonkers nice. and that is <laughs> to me that was one of the funniest parts of the story yeah, or that in is Dutch if good. if you want to hear the Dutch. And gij zijt vast knots. But it sounds good. <laughs> That's what he says. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I definitely and, and, acknowledge sometimes the translators, you know, they hit a home run with the, the cadence of yeah. uh, what they're going for. Yes, it's, it's uh, well, this was one of the things I remembered when you proposed to discuss this story. I remember, especially for this panel and this text, because I laughed my ass out when I first read it. <laughs> so. well, I, I agree with you. I think this part is very funny. Um, it's it's like it's it's a very silly explanation, but it's very funny to imagine these people being blown about and the other people basically um, the Valhallans pretty much adopting their yeah. whole civilization as a joke on the Earthlings. It's very funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's going a bit far to, to keep for ages, keep on those using those names for newcomers to, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess it's like one of those times where a fad catches on so hard that it just becomes part of society. Um, but yeah, we, we get a few more explanations. We He tells us that, you know, Thor's is not really flying, at, that there is a, a scientific explanation. It's a curious meteorite that breaks up gravity. I mean, it's it's sciency, right? Yeah, that that there is a part that I don't understand. Uh, the, the Hercules says the he really breaks up storms with that hammer and chariot act. Does that explain how the storms start and no. how he can how he can do that? And it's that that was not very satisfying for me when I read it in Dutch. I agree with you. That one is a little bit glossed over. Like, okay, this is not real, but this is, you know. Um, <laughs> so yeah. everything goes by so fast that you almost don't notice how much of it is nonsense. Um, but but it is definitely entertaining. That, by the way, this 
is definitely a place where panels have been cut. And mm-hmm. you can tell from the uh, space between the last two panels on this page. In the, in the original printing, there's an extra line on the right to suggest that the space between the panels is the same. But the left panel is actually a bit smaller, so the space is bigger. I'm not sure how to express that, but uh, in the in the yeah, Dutch version, right. the extra there line an... was removed, and we just have a bigger space between the panels. But that's a definite sign that a panel is missing, at least one panel. And the story also implies that, but because suddenly Scrooge is holding a gold thing, gold bar, and telling Vulcan, Vulcan that uh, how does this work? Does it work every time? There must be something in between. This this doesn't flow right. Yeah, you're right. We can see the little artifact if you look at the original printing. Um, you can feel that it's a very jarring transition. It's a very I like that panel a lot of Scrooge, um, you know, sitting down staring at the gold bar. That's probably one of my favorite panels. But it, it it has been a very jarring transition. And and then again, another of those earthquakes accompanies it. And and finally, the nephews are saying, I'm beginning to see a pattern in those sudden <laughs> drops. Um, and, and at this point, they're gonna consult their junior woodchuck guidebook, which is gonna tell them that the quote, magnetic balance is being altered by iron being turned into gold. So Harry, this is one of those times where the woodchuck guidebook is just going to act as kind of like a a book of plot devices, right? It's going to move the story forward. It's it's sciencey enough. Um, He has this magic book in his hand. Why not? Why not? Why doesn't Barks use it when you don't have another good reason? Yeah, well, he could have refer to the scientist on the second page who explained that the planets come closer because of that scientific reason that Parks made up. Yeah, that's true. It and that, that would have referenced that. Well, yeah, then, then he wouldn't have needed the guidebook. Right. So at this but, point in the story, yeah. the, the nephews have figured it out uh, long, long after the Valhallans themselves should have. Uh, and and they're going to raise the alarm, but every time they go to raise the alarm, something is going to get a, in the way, right? First, Scrooge and Vulcan are too um, focused on their new partnership, where Vulcan yeah. is going to enjoy hammering metal, and Scrooge is going to enjoy getting even richer. And then how about Odin? What has happened to Odin here? <laughs> Odin's been hit by a falling wall. He's not in shape to give orders. Yeah. <laughs> With some funny drawing of uh, a hit Odin. It's, uh, it is pretty yeah, funny. It's it not funny. the most creative way to dispatch a character, um, but it works. But but probably the funniest is uh, why Donald is not going to be any help. Do you want to tell us, Harry, why, why Donald oh, is also in no shape? That's on the next page, and that's mm-hmm. uh, because Donald is being fed and nurtured by two, three, four, five, six, seven Valhallen women, and he doesn't care about anything else. Why wouldn't Valhalla be alongside Earth? What what would, could be nicer? He likes it there, and he wants to keep it that way. He does. He certainly has no thoughts for Daisy right now. 
It's a bit right. similar to other stories where Donald suddenly is interested in females without thinking about Daisy. Right. It's, it's some kind of recurring joke that Donald uh, is easily distracted by female beauty. A... Yeah, and that's a classic cartoon and comic trope, of course. It's not just in yeah. these. So, you know, they do finally come across Thor, having come yeah. back, quote, from the Cloud Wars. I've got to say, I, I love it every time Thor is on on panel. Um, I almost said on screen. He He's a really great <laughs> figure. Um, Barks clearly had a great time drawing him. I, I saw in in the like previewing the issues column that Gladstone had for this issue that they um, they referenced that they implied that Barks was kind of channeling Hal Foster, right? The famed uh, cartoonist who did the Prince Valiant stories that yes. Barks was very inspired by. And I could definitely see that in, in him. There is uh, certainly some uh, golden helmet influence in this story. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, they explain off panel how Vulcan has to be stopped. I like what he says. It's it's a very like 1960s or uh, American minded way of putting it. But Thor says, if I can save myself from this endless overtime, I'm for it. You know, he's not really talking in the old fashioned speech, at least in the English there. And I and I like this moment a lot. He, he says on the next page, no one can talk sense into Vulcan's thick head. He thinks only of making gold since he discovered that magic hammer some months ago. But there's still a way to slow him down. <laughs> the mighty hammer of Thor. And, and he just absolutely brains him. That's pretty satisfying. Yes. Yes. And, <laughs> and, and it's a little funny here. Uh, it's it's a little bit simplistic, I think, that in this next sequence, they're, they're acting like they can't release him, right? Because they, he's so irrational with his love of making gold that they have to make him change his working habits. Um, so what do they propose, the nephews, what do they propose to do, Harry? They're asking, they're proposing to show uh, to, to bring Vulcan down to Earth for a sightseeing tour. And this is where the half-page panel is missing, where Barks was talking about, where Thor and uh, Odin look at all kinds of things happening on Earth and all kinds of traffic jams and lots of people being confused, uh, looking at the sky, seeing uh, the chariot with the four horses. And that must have been an amazing panel, uh, yeah. an amazing drawing. and. That is, it's it's too bad that it's missing here. And now it's only a caption saying, so high above the crowds and roar of busy duckmark. They describe what they see and then two panels with some weird things that they are scared of. And then the, uh, the Falcon says, take me home. I'll do anything to keep Valhalla from becoming part of this red race. Yeah. It makes this a bit lame that only for the, the dressing of a girl and two helicopters, and the rest is only described. This really misses that half-page panel that Barks was talking about. It does. You you definitely still get the idea, um, but it just doesn't have the impact that it could have. I, I feel like, you know, the story still technically works, but it's it's definitely been compromised here. Does this feel a little bit, Harry, like Barks being kind of a bit ornery? Um, kind of, he, what is he at this point? I guess he's about 60 years old. 
Um, <laughs> this feels like him complaining about the rat race himself and about how weird modern fashions are, right? Yeah. Well, the fashion thing is uh, definitely a statement about uh, one of Earth's beautiful girls, but you don't see anything yeah. of the girl. <laughs> That's right. But but also the, his uh, smoke and traffic jam. That's typically the thing that came up in the fifties, I think, in in the right. states. That that and became Barks a real made problem. A lot of stories complaining about that, especially so, in the sixties and seventies. Yeah, as he became more ecologically minded. So you know, at this point, the story is about to wrap up. They've they've stopped the planet from slipping further, but they haven't figured out how to move it back. But um, somehow, <laughs> Scrooge has created an unmagic stone hammer, and Vulcan is, is able to turn gold back into iron, um, which we know is going to move the planet back. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, it's not very the, logical. That the most disappointing part of the story. Yeah. It's coming out of the blue. And in, in a good story, there should have been a reference earlier in the story that Scrooge is doing this or is able to do this. And I think right. in the original story, there was a reference there, but it was cut. And yeah. maybe they even changed the text here, although I cannot see from the lettering that text has changed. But I might expect them to to, to reword what Scrooge is saying about this unmagic stone hammer I've made. Well, maybe he made it earlier in the story, but maybe also Vulcan showed it to him and said, well, I, I found two hammers, one that makes gold and one that unmakes the gold. Sure. Yeah, the, this is this is too much uh, what they say, a deus ex machina. I'm not yeah. sure that's, a, that's an English term, but that's what we it, use. Uh, it is. In, and it's Dutch. very appropriate to use a Latin term, right, for this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, know the, the Greek or Norwegian term for that, so let's right. stick to Latin, yeah. It is very funny to see Scrooge, you know, wincing and saying, I can't look, the sight would break my heart. But apart yeah. from that, it is it is pretty out of the blue. Um, and then the actual ending is also a little bit random and out of the blue. Yeah. It, yes. it is funny Agreed. to see them. I, I will say I really like Donald wishing them well and saying, tell Brunhild, Hera, Juno, Juno Venus, Venus, Athena, Athena Hertha, Frigga, Diana, Aurora, and Aphrodite. <laughs> yes, I'll remember them forever. Yeah. Um, all of those three different mytholo mythology, mythological maidens, I guess. And, you know, we it, see that, from that the newspaper. That was a very funny line. <clears throat> it was. Uh, we, we see from the newspaper the next day that it's receding back into space and they say, good for Vulcan. Um, and then very randomly out the back, we see that Scrooge has somehow absconded with Vulcan's hammer and is making more gold and the nephews have to tackle him. It's And it's... It may have been intended as a joke, but I don't think it's funny. Yeah, it's it's only part of the the character Scrooge that he is only focused on the gold. Okay, well we already knew that, so yeah. And yeah. how did how did Scrooge get the hammer? Right, and why has it moved leagues away into space? I mean, it's it's too much thought to give like a random gag ending, but 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 again. It, it, it is a little bit distracting from a storytelling yeah. point of view. Um, but yeah, that that's it, Harry. That is myth, myth mythic, mythic mystery. mystery. <laughs> it is 
I, I, I want to reflect, you know, we were both going to reflect on the story. I think it's pretty obvious that it's not one of Bark's strongest stories. It is, it is very entertaining, though. It, uh, I, it I is still, a nice reading with some very good jokes. Yeah I, yeah, I would not place it among like his very bottom stories. There are a number of stories that I think um, work even less well than this one. So um, yes. I, I think it's, it's I at agree. least entertaining enough. What about you? Any overall thoughts yeah. on it? Uh, I I agree. I can I can think of a few stories that are worse than this one. And sometimes for the for some detail, uh, if a detail is a very good joke or something very funny, then I can forgive the writer for putting a lame story around it. Yeah. And that's also a bit the case here. There are some very good things here, very funny things going on, but the entire story it doesn't really make much sense. Yeah. But the the, the funny parts make up for it i agree with uh, you there are some very lively very funny parts of course i'm sure it goes without saying that we both certainly wish that we could have seen that original splash panel it's always a shame (laughs) to lose that so you know yes that's where we both stand on it now this is usually the part where i would check in on what the community thinks based on index and fortunately I do have a a spreadsheet where I captured one moment in time for all the Bark stories and what the community thinks. So even if Index is down, I still know that this is rated 7.2 as of when I captured, you know, that moment on Index, which is good for number 884 out of all roughly (laughs) 42,000 stories that are reviewed on Index. Um, How much... Bark's stories. Did you also uh, account of that? That is Bark story number so and so out of so much. So I I did. I have a specific spreadsheet that breaks out all of the one hundred and twenty-two. Uh, one yeah, one hundred and twenty-two adventure length Bark stories, mm-hmm. and this one is number one hundred and ten out of all of those. Okay. So that places yeah. it. You know, it's it's in like the ninetieth percentile yeah. basically so it's it's but, it's a nice challenge to uh, think of the the 10 or 12 worse stories than this one <laughs> right exactly um i will i will be lot, going but... to uh, to denmark at the end of the month we have uh, our summer meetings there for the danish donaldist society don't nice. know if you know that i do. just just a side note but uh, well, I, I just got to, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I was just um, recording with AC uh, Sivabak. Yes, okay, so you know, know all about it, and I will meet him again in two weeks' time. And That's great. One, one of the things we do during the summer meetings is discuss duck stories, usually Rosa and then Barks. So it would be a nice challenge to, uh, to have a group together and think of the worst Barks stories and see if the order comes comes out the same as uh, the index photos do. Yeah, that would be yes. interesting. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So I think I think that we covered this story pretty effectively, Harry. The mm-hmm. the one last thing that I like to do, and I'm sorry I forgot to mention this earlier, is I like to ask if there's like a panel that really stands out to you as one of your favorites um, in this story, favorite or notable panel. Um, yeah, I think I, I, I mentioned I mentioned mm-hmm. twice that, uh, but mainly because of the text. I think 
Let me try to scroll back. Yeah, one oh, panel yeah. that the artwork is not special, but where it says, you must be nuts, but I'll buy those monikers. That that was so funny when I first read it in Dutch. I still remember reading that for the first time in Dutch, but that's only the text because that there's not much outstanding artwork in that panel. Right. And for- the other one was, no, if I have to really choose artwork-wise, then I think I'll opt for the opening panel or at least the opening page that that's the, the entire page is designed as a page that that looks uh, like a classic bar story. Yeah, I agree with you. That opening page is pretty cool. Um I would probably pick the very irregular shaped panel with those snarlingly angry horses. Oh yeah, I do like yeah. that one a lot. Yeah, you said so before. Yes. It's, uh, I did, yeah. Yeah. Well, well I I think this was a great conversation and and I really am grateful to you for coming on and joining me. Um it Harry, was fun. And talking. I, wonderful. I'm so glad. Again, I just want to say thank you it's, for Index. It's such a great tool. Um, and I would like to encourage people to check out Rosa Remarks. I'm sorry, to check out Barks Remarks on <laughs> Facebook and Instagram um, and join us for our next episode, which should be really interesting because we're going to be covering the Golden Nugget boat. And Harry, that uh, is the one long Carl Barks story that I have never read. So It'll be, oh, I'll you be will be in. Fresh. You will be in my position then, because during this was the first time I read this story in English. Yeah, there is for that. the first time in my life. So right. <laughs> I experienced something new here. Right. Well, well, again, thank you so much, Harry. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. As I said, yeah. I enjoyed it as well. So thanks for having me. My pleasure. Mm-hmm.